so I struggled a little bit because, um, you know, obviously our hearts are, are sad and we are sad for the people we care about. And um, I have a message this morning about ordinary life. I guess the thing I've been thinking about this morning is is that ordinary life, um, the thread of eternity runs through it, right? So I, I hope that can be somewhat relevant uh, to us this morning. Um, I, was, I was a bit apprehensive about my um, sermon plan this morning, even before this um, Change, but this isn't your classic uh, look at a passage of scripture and uh, work your way through it. I'm going to use an object that uh, we use on the farm to do work, and I'm hoping that um, that can provide a, a framework, um, some lessons that uh, that I can share for for all of us this morning. So in, in thinking about this sermon and um, looking at the, the teachings of Jesus, it's very interesting to me to note the number of objects uh, from everyday life that he used. Um, he incorporated these experiences and objects throughout his teachings. And he talked about things like salt and light. Uh, lilies and sparrows, seeds and trees and vines and weeds and, and all sorts of everyday objects and that his, his audience would have been uh, familiar with. So lessons from the strawberry planter. So the challenge this morning is most of you are, are not familiar with a strawberry transplanter machine. I'm hoping I can do an adequate enough uh, job of explaining the, the process of planting strawberries in this machine that you can maybe see it in your mind's eye so that these illustrations have some, some value to you. So every fall um, over on the farm, we plant anywhere from 60 to 70,000 um, little baby strawberries. Uh, we call them plugs. They are rooted in, in these 50-cell plastic trays um, like this. We have 50 uh, plants in these trays. And we, we plant them this way. All the plants are planted on a double row of plastic. Um, the, the rows run through the field, and then we use the transplanter, which is hooked behind the tractor, and it moves over top of the row, and it punches um, a pair of holes in the plastic as it runs along, and then you take the plants out of this tray and put them into the hole. That's, that's the concept in a gist. I thought maybe to give you a little um, better idea, I'm going to um, set up the little transplanter right here with this contraption I have. All right, so that's uh, pretty crude, but maybe give you a bit of an idea. So the, the chair rack in the front there, it's those are the tanks of water on the machine, the frame of the machine. 
the chairs represent where the, the trays are sitting on represent where you sit the, the strawberry trays and then you sit on um, the dollies we'll say uh, low to the ground on each side of the row and that's how it works. So there are several common issues that arise uh, during transplanting and those are the things that I plan to talk about this morning. So as you can imagine, um, you don't run very fast. Uh, at, in fact, our, our Kubota tractor, it used to, um, the slowest speed was, was just too fast. We could go just under half a mile an hour, and that was, that was uh, pushing it too fast to do a real uh, thorough job of planting. We actually had an, another gear uh, put into it. And it seems the ideal speed is about 0.3 to 0.35 miles per hour. I think that's about half a foot a second, if I did my math right. So despite the snail's crawl of a pace, it's very likely that at some point as you're moving down the row, one of the planters is going to fall behind in his tasks. Now, often this is due to the factors outside of his control. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But as one of the planters uh, starts falling behind, uh, they have to start reaching farther and farther back from where they're sitting. And then they, you know, they have to reach way up here to grab the plant, reach way back here. And it um, just makes the problem worse. So... There are a couple ways you can fix this. Uh, you can shout or whistle at the tractor driver, and he can stop if, if he hears you or notices you. But then everything stops, and uh, you know you're starting and stopping going up the row. Or the um, the partner on the other side of the row row can just grab a plant and reach it over there and plant it for him. It gives them just the person just a bit of a um, a break, and often that little uh, bit of help is enough to kind of help them catch up. And you'd be surprised how helpful uh, one little plant um, that gains you 12 to 15 inches uh, can be. So lesson number one: lend a hand to the struggling. Jesus seemed to have a, a special place in his heart for the struggling. Uh, he talked often about the poor and the least of these. Uh, he ministered to the sick and the outcasts of society. Uh, there's a familiar prophecy in Isaiah 61, which said the Messiah would bind up the brokenhearted. And in fact, in Luke 4, um, you know, when Jesus did that reading in the synagogue, uh, this was the, the passage that he chose. And I don't think it was an accident. Think about all the other verses he could have picked in Isaiah. He chose this one. And I think he very much expects his followers to follow his example of reaching out to the brokenhearted, to the struggling. In fact, in, in Matthew 25, 40, uh, Jesus says, 
Whatever you did for the least of these brothers of mine, you did to me. And then following that, he says, uh, if you fail to meet um, people's needs, there would be eternal punishment for that. So who all is needy? Who all is the struggling person uh, that needs help? Well, on the transplanter, uh, if your partner is falling behind over there and you help them, you know it's only a matter of time before they're going to be helping you out of, out of the vine. And I think life is like that. Um, maybe we don't like to think of ourselves as being needy, uh, needing help, but we're frail human beings. Um, we have frailty in our makeup. So we need help, or we will soon need help. And Jesus knew this, and I think that's a big reason that he tried to instill this into his disciples of humility and service. If I, then your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet, he said. So how do we help? Uh, Hebrews 13 I'm going to read three verses there. Um, There's some ideas here in these verses. It says, Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourself were suffering. I see words in here like loving one another, hospitality, remembering. And verse 3 says, remembering as though you were the person in prison, or if you were as though you were the one suffering. That puts a very personal uh, twist on it, doesn't it? So one of the challenges on the transplanter is that you have to keep planting your row. And sometimes just doing that uh, takes a lot of focus and energy and, and all your efforts just to keep up on your side. And it's easy to forget about the person over on the other side. And you might not notice that your fellow, fellow planter is struggling. And I think that can be too true of uh, everyday life for us as well. We get so focused on the things we're doing, surviving ourselves, we miss our brother's struggles. So I'm sure we all could be more observant. We could all ask more questions. And we could take more time for each other. So lesson number two, the importance of seeing things from someone else's perspective. So let me explain this this scenario, uh, this challenge, uh, so hopefully you can understand. So planting strawberries uh, stresses me out. Um, the time of planting in the fall is it's very uh, it's very important that it be done in a timely way, and I feel this pressure, I guess, until. All the plants are in and growing well, and then I feel less pressure. But sometimes people under pressure uh, have short fuses, 
Um, perhaps you know what I mean. Uh, and I also like the planting to be done right. We invest a lot of money into putting these rows of plastic down through our field. And we're going to have to work in this field for the next nine months. And I like it to be, you know, it's, it's never the same if you make something uh, not as nice because you're going to have to deal with it and fight it for the next nine months. So in the center of our rows of plastic, uh, there's a little drip tape, and that's how the strawberries get watered. And ideally, you would run your planter right down the middle of the row so that your wheel that's punching the holes is equally spaced on, on either side of that drip tape so the strawberry plant can get you know, everything it needs. Well, obviously, we don't live in an ideal world. And sometimes when the row is crooked, the planter will come uh, too far over and sometimes it'll get like right in the middle of the row, it'll punch the drip tape, uh, nowhere near where it's supposed to be. And sometimes if it's bad enough, we even had this happen, it'll tear the plastic and cause you know, issues with, with the row itself. I hate when that happens um, because there again, it's never going to look the same and uh, I'll be looking at it for nine months. So it just bothers me. So the tendency when things like that happen is to uh, blame the tractor driver right up on the other side of the chair rack because it's certainly not my fault. And um, you can blame the tractor driver for being distracted and for not paying attention, maybe talking on the phone or maybe going to sleep because it is hard to stay awake sometimes when you're going 0.3 miles an hour down the road, row. But the, the problem is it's not always uh, doing that. It's not always the tractor driver's fault either. Sometimes the tractor driver is doing everything he can uh, to keep the planter in the center of, of a row. And there's kind of a knack for navigating around the row and keeping it punching in the center. The other thing that happens when you're sitting back here behind all these tanks in this big frame, you can't see down the row. And so you lose perspective. Um, you, all you see is, is right here and you can turn around and look back, but you kind of lose the big picture perspective. And sometimes when I'm the most frustrated, uh, the person on the tractor says, I think we're just about out of it. If you'll just keep going a little bit more, it straightens out. And um, they have a much better uh, idea of the big picture. And sometimes when I'm the one driving the tractor, um, I have learned um, that it's actually a lot harder to drive the tractor than you think and to keep it punching in the middle. And so I've gained a lot more sympathy for, uh, for tractor drivers. So I'll be the first to admit I don't have this lesson mastered. I need to keep learning it and, and keep learning it. Almost always in everyday life, though, there's something about our perspective that limits our ability to see the whole picture, to see uh, something that another person might be picking up on. I think that's why Jesus warned us about judging each other 
Romans 12.10 says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. And I would certainly think that honoring the opinion and the perspective of someone else is included in that verse. Now, obviously, we're not going to agree on, on all issues. But if we start with the premise that our own ideas are incomplete and someone else might be seeing something a little differently, seeing a part of the row that we can't see, I think that can go a long way toward resolving these um, differences of opinions. Obviously, uh, we could read a scripture that Jesus said um, or where he talked about moat removal with beam vision. Uh, James talks about slandering. There's a verse in Romans 12, uh, Romans 12, 16, that's fitting. It says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Ephesians 4, 29 says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So those are good verses to remember uh, on the transplanter, good verses for rubbing shoulders uh, with people in your own church and in your own home. Lesson number three that we can learn from the transplanter is that hindrances hinder. I know that's rather uh, profound. Let me elaborate a little bit. I alluded to this earlier, but, but there are certain obstacles that make planting uh, very difficult. And one of the more common ones is things that make it hard to pull uh, cleanly the plants out of this tray. Now, in the past, uh, we usually, when we get our plants in, we spread them all around in, in the backyard and until we plant them and we can water them there. And we have had uh, some naughty calves get out before and run all through those trays and gleefully kicking up their heels. I think kind of they like the crinkle of the trays as they make holes in it. And I'm pretty sure that I failed several tests of Christian virtue when that happened. And I'm also fairly certain that cows can smirk. So the problem um, was that, you know, when they crinkled these things up, it made, made it really hard to, to fight to pull the, the plug uh, out of the tray. Or sometimes you pull it out, but you'd end up pulling the plug in, in half. You can sometimes have the same issues when we transport these things. The, um, the edges here crinkle shut like that, and it's, when it's like that, it just wedges the plug in, and it makes it hard. Pull out. There are other things that, that cause slow planting uh, to happen. Uh, sometimes runners from like one plant here will root down over here, and you end up with this kind of mess, and it's hard to sort through everything and get everything pulled out right. Uh, sometimes the soil on the row is cloddy and dry, and it's just hard to do a good job of planting when that happens. Uh, years ago, when Gary and I used to do a lot of planting together, we would sometimes uh, fall behind just 
from having deep theological discussions and kind of forget what we were doing, and we go slower and slower. Uh, Cheyenne Weaver has helped us a number of years to plant, and she never seems to have this problem. She can talk a mile a minute and still keep up um, planting just fine and usually helping me uh, because she's faster at it than I am. So maybe it is true that women can multitask. So the way I see it um, is we have two different types of hindrances. Some are things that are outside of our control, uh, things like how the plants are, uh, potentially soil conditions. Then we have preventable issues, right, like calves getting out and running through your trays. And I think in life we have the same two types of hindrances. Uh, we have the normal circumstances of life that are difficult. Um, we have to navigate them the best we can. We sometimes, though, pull things into our lives that we wouldn't have to, but makes things more difficult. The scripture does address them both. Um, James, of course, he talks about trials a lot. Peter says a lot of the same things. Uh, he said, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering, as though something strange were happening. And he goes on to say, But rejoice that you... Um, participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. Both of these men were writing to people who were were in difficulty, um, struggling, um, probably a lot more than most of us um, are for the things that we face. But the expectation was that you will struggle, there will be suffering. There's, there's a neat little verse then towards the end of Peter's letter, Peter 5.10. It says this, And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. So this verse uh, gives us some hope. Uh, there are better things coming. You will finish your crinkled tray. The cloddy row that you're planting will come to an end. I don't uh, plan to go in depth on the hindrances that we bring on, on ourselves, but he, Hebrews 12, 1 says this. Uh, this is in the ESV, and I like how it said it. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. The sin which clings so closely. I think that's a, that's a good way to put it, isn't it? And then the, the rest of, of that verse and the next two gives us the greatest answer to fixing things in life that bog us down. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So the example of Jesus and the strength that he gives us each day is the best uh, resource we have for, for making it through this tough world. 
So the fourth and final uh, lesson that we can learn from the trans from our transplanter analogy this morning is simply this: stay current. And let me explain to you the concept that I have in mind. So the very best way to plant is to plant slightly ahead of where you absolutely need to be. Um, Think ahead about what's needed. If you can be reaching forward to um, put your plant in the hole, uh, it makes, if you have something that happens, you know, a a hindrance, uh, it makes recovering so much easier. There's more room for error. So I know some of us are planners and visionaries, and some of us aren't, and I'm not scolding uh, those of us who maybe procrastinate. Or those of us, some of us are just reactionary. I'm not trying to to make us feel bad. But spiritually, I think uh, we can be much more effective planters if we live in a constant current state. A constant awareness to the passing of time, um, the seriousness of life, making our moves count. I heard an interview uh, recently with with a man called Angus Buchan. Uh, He was a South uh, African farmer, and he wrote a book about his experiences. Uh, It's called Faith Like Potatoes. And he said that he has written in the back of his Bible this uh, phrase, keep short accounts with God and man. I really like that that phrase. Stay current, stay up to date, keep short accounts with God and man. I'd like to close uh, with the phrase from Revelations 22. Uh, 20, it's the phrase I put up here on the board. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. In fact, three times in the last chapter of Revelations, uh, he says, I am coming soon. Now, obviously, we don't know when that will be exactly. And it's certainly sooner today than it was when those words were recorded. And then, of course, we're reminded with the, the events that happened uh, yesterday that no matter when the Lord comes back, life is short. And we are frail. Stay current. So those are the the four uh, lessons from the transplanter that I had this morning. Uh, If you need help putting these lessons into practice, we'll be planting strawberries in about two months. So uh, you can get in contact with us. I realize um, this lesson may feels, or this message feels a bit. Uh, like a shotgun message, uh, we've talked about several possible, possibly unrelated things. Uh, we talked about struggling, uh, how we need to look out for each other. We talked about our different perspectives and the conflict that that can bring. And we talked about the struggle of life and the trials of life. But I think all of those have relevance to staying current. And all of them should be uh, in focus when we think about 
the shortness of life and the soon return of, of Jesus. So, thank you for your attention this morning.